Ordinarily speaking, you see a 243-game veteran, four-time champion with the Perth Wildcats, but you don't see substance abuse, domestic violence, and an adult without a child yet. Were you scared of your dad? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You have a look in your face right now that you can almost see his face. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I look at everything happens for a reason. Um, and oh, um, I remember yelling at my son uh, a few months ago, like he was, you know, a few brutal nights of sleep and really, really struggling and out of just frustration. Um, just sort of like venting a little bit no physical nature just more you know a parent yeah as you do and oh, i i went back into the room and i just like was crying like for hours and upon hours and i could like i felt sick to my stomach like oh. just because you felt you'd lost oh, your call. Yeah. Oh, just because i never wanted to be that guy you know, like I never wanted to have that. Um, I never wanted my son to ever look at me like with the fear that I ever had, you know. You're listening to Ordinarily Speaking with netball champion Caitlin Thwaites. The hardest moments for me have been around, um, you know, actually just seeing death everywhere and feeling like if I was to disappear that nobody would care um so um and that's that's physically for me um every single thing that I did um was you know from from looking out a window picking which tree you know to cutting up some food and finding a knife <laughs> to getting in the car and you know finding a pole that you think you know that's that's the level of me seeing death everywhere um that I managed to get to and that's um that's the most severe for me um and it's incredibly scary and incredibly hard to be um to be in that place I'm so proud of the fact that I've been able to cope, um, to be able to get through all of it um, and to have had the support around me that's enabled me to do that. You're listening to Ordinarily Speaking with Nick Natanui. It was tough. We lived in so many different houses growing up. I think I counted the other day. I was, I reckon up until year 12, I probably lived in about 50, 60 houses. Wow, yeah, really? So. Even when I was when I got drafted, I remember I was sharing a house with one of my mum's friends, this elderly lady. Like she was, she would have been seventy or so, um, and her family. And yeah, I was I was sharing a bedroom. Like I shared a bedroom with my mum and my brother, getting drafted um, as an eighteen year old. What was the like, I guess the, the the hardest, the worst place that you lived in? Oh, I lived in a detention center when I was young. When I was real young, when I was about four or five, I lived in a detention center in, in New South Wales. Um, yeah, we didn't really have our documentation and things like that, especially when my old man passed away. You know, he obviously brought us over and things like that. So we didn't have, you know, full 
citizenship and things like that. So, um, yeah, we spent a bit of time in there. So th- those kind of things still stick out to me. Like I, I like going to refugee camps and working with children from those sort of backgrounds because, um, yeah, I've been there. Like I've, I've, I've lived through it. I've done what they've done. You know, you can still achieve things even though you've been there or you've you've done things. Like it's well, hopefully it, it inspires you to do better and, you know, to inspire others as well. Ordinarily speaking, the professional side of my tennis was the easy part. It was the personal acceptance that I found hard. Yeah, I started working with Ruth, a sports psychologist, and I found that hard. It wasn't always easy to start opening up or even know kind of sometimes, well, today's session is going to be about this. What were some of the things that you had to work on? Uh, I think being comfortable in myself. Um, yeah, you know, personally being like, okay, well, I'm gay, but I'm not, I don't want to say anything about it. And I don't feel like everyone should have to tell everyone mm. everything because it's, um, that's a total personal choice, but I think you've still got to feel good about it in yourself. And as long as you're happy with it and you understand it and you're good, it really doesn't matter how you want to go about it. But I think there's certainly a time where that was um, kind of maybe hard for me to understand or, um, you know, deal with that with my family or, or something like just being, I think, a bit more true and open to myself. Um, that was really important. You're listening to Ordinarily Speaking with Hayden Ballantyne. What do you remember from that night? Um, I was asleep on the couch and I had a, um, had a phone call from Dad. It was a missed call. And I rang him back and he was crying. And I thinking, oh, no. My first thought was my pop because he was quite old and um, not too well at the time. I thought, oh, no, pop's passed away because um, he said someone's died. And that was my first thought was pop. And then uh, I said, oh, where are you? And he said, the hospital. Brendan's, Brendan's died. And I was like, and it was just a complete shock. I just didn't know if I was dreaming or didn't know what to think. And um, and then just kicked into gear. I'm like, right, I've got to get there. And I went and told Lisa and Lisa started bawling her eyes out. <clears throat> and I got to the hospital and everyone was just crying. Just didn't know what to do or to say. And I just... All I said, I just, can I, I just want to go see Brendan. And I went and seen him. And when I seen him, that was what, when, that was, yeah, the waterworks turned on for me then. I, I lost lost control a little bit. And um, then my next thought was, who did it and where is, where's he? And now I think about that bloke as well. And I think, what do I do if I see him down the street? Like, I wouldn't say I'm a violent person, but... <laughs> I don't know if I could control myself if I did see the bloke, so. So what do you do with that level of rage? Um, I look at Ross as a mentor for me and more than just footy but life as well and your mind is such a powerful thing and if you direct your mind towards rage, that's what you're going to have, rage. If you direct your mind towards something else, that's what you'll do and that's what I did. I directed my mind into how do I help dad and dad through this rather than get myself through this if I get dad through this that will help me get through this type thing so that was what I focused on was getting getting dad through it and getting the rest of the family through it as well no positive out of a situation like that but is that something that you know your family are tighter because of it definitely yeah definitely and um 
you know, we're not, we're not, you know, a huggy family. Dad, dad doesn't give me a hug. You give me a pat on the back or a kick up the ass. That's about it. So <laughs> tackles, yeah. not hugs. No, that's right. But you know, my after my last game, and then uh, at the Doig, just before I went up on stage, he came and gave me a big hug and a pat on the back. So that was um, that was pretty cool. You have tears in your eyes whenever you talk about him. Yeah, yeah. What did he say to you? Just said he's he's proud and um, well done, pretty much. Yeah. Like I said, he's been through a lot, so I've seen him have tears in his eyes a fair bit lately. So it, um, yeah, it's pretty hard to see him go through that because he's he's a bloody tough bloke. You're listening to Ordinarily Speaking with Ashton Agar. I'd spoken a little bit mm. about it, but I'd never been really honest because I really just wanted to avoid it. So to talk like this is scary, a bit liberating, and I hope that it empowers people the same way that other people's stories have empowered me because there could be someone out there who feels really crap, who feels really sad, who feels very anxious, who feels very lost, um, who doesn't see a way out, who doesn't know that there are people who want to help. If this could help anyone, that's a huge win. What you're doing is so important. Giving people a platform to to speak openly, to be heard, but then also allowing other people to hear that. There's there's someone out there that's going to listen to some of the stories on your podcast, be it this one or the ones that have already happened or the ones that will happen in the future and you could change their life. So you're doing wonderful things. Thank you. Thanks, mate.